I am Interpol. This is how I sing. This is Big Shiny Tunes 12. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. I thought we could um, add some humor to this episode because, as you might all become aware, uh, we're all worried about Chris. He, um, We found out today that he has an, un- uh, well, what is it called? You are terminally ill. You are terminally paralyzed with your adoration for the first song on here, which I'm still, uh, I'm worried about. I'm worried about you, man. I'm worried about you it's out a there. Good, it's a good song. It's a good song. As you can hear, audience, he's clearly lost his mind, and uh, please keep those donations coming. It's a good song. I, you're gonna. I mean, I'm gonna. You know, you guys, you guys, you know what? Listen along on the Spotify playlist. It's Paralyzer by Finger Eleven. It's a fucking good song, and, uh, and so uh, check it. Yeah, it'll be on Spotify. Link will be in the bio um, of the episode. So listen along, and you you judge for yourself. Don't let Jordan bully you with his with his East Coast elite music taste. Get down with some finger 11. Let me put it this way, folks. If you had to Sophie's choice between Paralyzer and Wake Up Call by Maroon 5, which one continues existing? Which one would you choose? Oh, clearly Paralyzer, obviously. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a better song. What hell unleashed on the world that would be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the Big Shiny Podcast. We're doing this episode for Big Shiny Tunes 12, the third to last, the pen penultimate Big Shiny Tunes. Uh, my name is Chris Betts. I'm a comedian. Uh, I'm Canadian. I'm based in London, UK. Until I can get the damn shot, and then I'm out of here. I'm coming home. Nice. Love it. I can't wait for you to see me uh, back in North America. Uh, my name's Jordan. I'm a musician, but strictly a fretless bass musician. Uh, Chris. Oh, nice. That's you, got any, you got any favorite fretless bass songs you want me to play in your honor when you come back? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Could you play um, uh, The Cat Came Back? Do you know that one? Can I? But oh, like yeah. jazzy, like how, like like with an Ella Fitzgerald scat over top of it. Y- sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, I could. The cat I, came busy, back, 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 back. back I mean, I'm stuff. yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from Jazz Fest. Still, I have submitted five times, but no one has yeah. responded yet. So, and that's and do you just end all your emails with the cat came back? You guys, he didn't quit just because he was turned down five times. <laughs> how about an Ella Fitzgerald cover of Ill Scarlet? That'd be cool. Would it though? That's I feel like Ill Scarlet is one of the very few bands that even even Ella can't save. You could yeah. put Ella and Louie on there, just jamming, and still you'd be like, the song fucking blows. I smell emo. Yeah, this this is the screamo emo apex, I think. Yeah. Terrible. Um, I th- oh actually I think I think the last one was was the pinnacle, but this mm. is this is definitely like there are aftershocks of Screamo on this album. Yeah, uh, but there there are a couple there are a couple songs that are all right on it. Um, I mean, there's obviously "Paralyzed" by Finger Eleven, which best song of 2007, if you ask anybody. But there's some real. I mean, Three Days Grace is back, and they've just given up at this point. Marianas Trench. Ugh. Yeah, to the fifty thousand people that bought this compilation back in the day, uh, I'm worried about you too. So once we get Chris sorted out, we'll keep the fundraiser rolling, and whatever PTSD you've had from listening to this front to back, we will gladly donate it to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you bought an album with the red jumpsuit apparatus on it, you need to really look in the mirror and ask yourself some questions. That's, uh, I don't I don't know how to end intros anymore, so I'm going to keep singing it like Interpol. Yeah, and? And we're going to get into Big Shoddy Tunes 12. Go! <laughs> Jonathan Davis, go! Go! Yeah, go! Go! Yeah. 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 Yeah.
This is Big Shiny Tunes 12. It sure is. Where Big Shiny Tunes went from boy to man. <laughs> uh, I think it's when uh, the bros learned how to dance personally, but we'll get into all that. That is a great shout. Uh, we're in 2007. It's Big Shiny Tunes 12. This sold 50,000 copies. This album went gold. That's remarkable. I mean, comparatively, we always knew this would do worse, but the fact that 50,000 people paid money to buy Big Shiny Tunes 12 is honestly remarkable to me. Yeah, that's really surprising, I guess. Do you know anybody who was listening to Big Shiny Tunes 12? I don't know anyone that knew they made 12, Yeah. <laughs> let alone 14. I feel like every single sale of this was... I, I don't know why I keep picking on Etobicoke, but I feel like they all were sold in Etobicoke. Oh, they know what they did. Fuck you, Etobicoke. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly have no idea why that's always the town that I think of. If I if I want to if I want to say like a province that bought it though, I'll say Manitoba every time. But if it's a town, it's Etobicoke. A guy I used to make music with uh, Martin Horn, who had a project called Cottonmouth. Hey Martin, if you're listening for some reason. Um, oh, I remember Cottonmouth. Yeah, he had a song that was kind of a real sad, melancholy downer, and he was trying to find a title that captured the feeling, and mm. he named it Etobicoke in my heart forever. <laughs> <laughs> Etobicoke, if you're in Etobicoke and you're listening to us right now please let us know what it is about your town that makes us think of this and other bands think of sadness because i've never even been there i just it's in my head for some reason we we are going to differ on more than a couple songs you're going to be very mad at me a couple times and i'm looking look forward, forward to, to tearing you a new Etobicoke <laughs> While I was listening to it, I was like, "Jordan's gonna be so mad." <laughs> um, all right, let's let's start it out though. Let's let's set the scene. The year is two thousand and seven. Mm. Here are the main events of two thousand seven. The first iPhone is released. The uh, beginning of smartphones, which is the beginning of my inability to sit quietly with my thoughts. Wow. Um, yeah, I didn't have a. I didn't have. I didn't get a cell phone until twenty twelve. So I'm surprised that the iPhone came out then. Yeah, right. I didn't. I didn't get it. Um, I didn't get one until four years ago. Mm-hmm. So 2017 was when I got my first like smartphone, um, and that was only because my brother was like, "Just take my old phone, you <laughs> fucking weirdo." <laughs> so, so that's how I got it. Um, so yeah, first uh, iPhone came out. Uh, coincidentally, the Android operating system was created that same year. So Android versus iPhone is a uh, star-crossed lovers situation. Um, the Virginia Tech shooting happened. I think we all remember the Virginia Tech shootings. That should place you. Tony Blair resigned as prime minister, hmm. uh, which um, if you're British, you probably remember. If you're not British, you do not remember. But Gordon Brown took over in one of the weirdest resignings that I've ever heard of, where uh, apparently Tony Blair just agreed before he first ran for prime minister, Gordon Brown and him had a, a a dinner. Okay. And Gordon Brown was going to run, and Tony Blair. They agreed that Tony Blair was more electable, and so Gordon Brown was like, "Okay, you can win, but you have to step aside later on." And so Tony Blair just walked away midway through a term so that Gordon Brown could be prime minister. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that, but that's what I got from the BBC article about it. What do you uh, What do you suppose they ate at that dinner? <laughs> Oh, peasants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, the smoking ban in England came in, which I will uh, talk about as I go over my uh, my 2007. Uh, but that was a big deal over here. And um, here's a, a here's a, a, a war one. Blackwater killed 17 civilians, which led to such bad publicity that they had to change their name to XI. <laughs> uh, you remember Blackwater, the mercenary army? Uh, was that in Iraq? Yep. Um... They changed their name to XI. Why? 
they changed their name to XI because Blackwater got such bad publicity that um, no one could be seen hiring Blackwater, but they knew that most people wouldn't follow if they changed their name. So they just changed their name to XI. To 11? <laughs> uh, yeah, 11, or uh, now the uh, name of the Chinese uh, president. Okay. So <laughs> Is that another big shiny, shiny tunes conspiracy? <laughs> I mean, we can dive deeper into it if you want. I know that the, the owner of it is the brother of Betsy DeVos, who is in the Trump administration as Secretary of Education. How much smarter would we be if we had just covered politics from the years? I mean, like, not that we're authorities on it, but at least we'd be learning stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but you know what? I, I feel like that this year in particular wasn't made for bettering yourself. It was made for just building a nice soft nest and hunkering down. And that's what Big Shiny Tunes has done. It's also made us punchy. Well, because yeah. we've hated so much of it. That so. was that was not my 2007 at all. But um, uh, what else we got in 2007? Any other? Uh, the, the movies, the movies that came yeah. out. Uh, Juno, arguably soundtrack of the year. Mm. Uh, Eastern Promises, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood. The first Transformers movie came out. Knocked up 300, super bad. And then two uh, music movies that I want you to give two quick reviews for, Jordan. Okay. Uh, the first is Across the Universe, the first movie to be allowed to use uh, Beatles songs um, as they were, as opposed to I Am Sam, which had the soundtrack, but they were all covers. Uh, Across the Universe, quick review. I am literally one of those boring people who f- loves the Beatles uh, and think they're great. They're um, fantastic. And I had to turn that movie off after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Did a did a terrible job. But I was thinking about it today because I remember all the shit that the director got for it. Um and there was a whole hull, there was a big old hullabaloo uh, about the movie as it was being made because the studio hated it. Mm-hmm. Um and then all the actors threatened to go on strike if they changed it or changed the director in solidarity with the director. And as a result, a bad movie was made. Yep. <laughs> um but is there is there a movie that could have been made that you think would have done justice to um, how fantastic the Beatles music is? Yeah, I think it would have been a biopic um, about John Lennon meeting Yoko Ono and getting hooked on heroin and making the White Album. That would be oh, damn. great. That's, there you go. Straight off the cuff, Jordan's already made a better movie. I would absolutely watch that. And speaking of biopics, the other one was I'm Not There, where a bunch of different actors played Bob Dylan uh, at different <sighs> periods of his life. Yeah. Jordan, review this film. I really liked Kate Blanchett's performance in mm-hmm. it. I love David Cross's Allen Ginsberg too. Like that whole segment mm-hmm. was great. The Richard Gere part, confounding the Heath Ledger <laughs> divorce era Bob Dylan, so awkward. And uh, was there another one? There's one more. Dylan. I think Tilda Swinton. Oh, didn't, Did didn't they have? Swinton I think they him? had like a black kid playing him too at one point too. Oh, it's like a yeah, as a as a child. Hopefully not as old Dylan. That'd be very funny if they cast a black child to play old Dylan. That movie really annoyed me and I thought it was overrated, much like a lot of Bob Dylan, but I still kind of enjoyed it. Much like Bob Dylan. Okay. <laughs> much like Bob Dylan. There you go. They then they did a fantastic job. Did you like it? <laughs> Didn't see it. Okay. Kept meaning to keep forgetting it exists. It's it's worth a watch. All right, so now we're getting into our years. It's 2007. Jordan Robson Kramer, you've been on tour for a year with Sunset Rubdown. Mm-hmm. Where does 2007 find you? Well, as if it wasn't enough to play in two bands uh, in 2006, I decided, hey, 2007, let's play in three bands. So nice. I actually counted this Classic out. Classic drummer. <laughs> I counted. Well, I was playing drums, guitar, and keyboards in um, all three of those bands. So oh, shit. switching it nice. up, but I, uh, 2007 was insane. Uh, cause in January 
we started recording our second record at Sunset Rubdown, which was called Random Spirit Lover, uh, which got assigned to Jag Jaguar. Uh, so yeah, January recorded, started, we, we were in the studio for almost a month in January. It was pretty um, amazing, like actually just kind of studio life. Because I think the longest I'd been at a studio in, in a studio at that point was for like five days or something. But this was every day consistently for a month making this record. Um, That's great. So I was also playing in another group called Miracle Fortress, um, not oh, to be yeah. confused with my other band, Magic Weapon. Weird D&D <laughs> vibes going there, which is weird. Uh, so in March, I went to Austin with Miracle Fortress for South by Southwest back when it was fun, um, I think, because uh, I had fun. I was also 21. But um, hmm. yeah, so uh, but then in April, and so I counted this out because I pretty much was touring back to back with maybe the most a month in between but uh in 2007 i played 98 shows <laughs> nice um that's one every three days almost one every four days yeah say. yeah so like i was on tour all of april with sunset rub down and shushu I, I i thought like a good way is i could just tell you like a couple of interesting tour stories uh that happened yeah, for sure. um so on on that uh spring tour in april and may um, we ended up, we're all through America, and we ended up playing one show in Denton, Texas, which confirmed uh, all the stereotypes in my head I had of a certain portion of Texas. Not not the Austin portion of Texas. Austin's awesome. Those people are crazy, hippie weirdos. Uh, but mm. Denton is like the Texas that you kind of assume exists and does. We played this show, and um, I think there was only like 40 people at this one. It was like a... Uh, hardly anybody was there, but we, as, as we were playing the show, there was this guy sort of friendly heckling us, just like play, play faster, play da 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 da. Okay, right? like a like a disruptive super fan. Yeah, and yeah. after the show, I was um, just I was taking a piss in the, the washroom, and this guy came up to me, and he was like, "Hey, man, sorry about our friend. He was the one yelling at you guys the whole time." I'm like, oh, okay, sure, uh, no worries. I mean. He seemed kind of into it. It's like, yeah, well, he shouldn't be screaming like that, but don't worry, we beat him up outside. And Jesus Christ. Sure enough, uh, there was a pool of blood from where they had beaten him up. It was. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I think all of us were like, can't wait to get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of strange experiences on uh, that tour. Anyways, uh, that summer did a cross Canada tour with Miracle Fortress, which uh, was a lot different than the Sunset Rubdown tour because we were uh, pl mostly playing to like 10 people throughout Canada. Got to see yeah. all the little shitty places in Canada. Um, uh, have you ever been to Sudbury? <laughs> no, I have heard of it. <laughs> it's fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then did a fall tour in October with Sunset Rubdown where I think, um, yeah, that, that one was crazy because I was opening up for Sunset Rubdown with Magic Weapon. So I was playing two shows a night. Oh, wow. Uh, which wow. definitely was a young man's game because I don't think uh, yeah. I could do that anymore. But Did you ever, was there ever um, like problems between the two bands and you were like at a go-between? Or they go, Jordan, can you talk to these fucking assholes? Uh, well, that, that tour was kind of um, uh, weird because I was not in the van with Sunset Rubdown. I was in a car with my bandmate, Matt Shane, who I played with in Magic Weapon. We were a two-piece I, I had a lot of fun that tour because I like I just didn't have to be in a van with six people. 
Um, nice. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was definitely a little bit more aloof and freewheeling on that one. And I think the band was kind of a little bit mad at me sometimes because I it's like I didn't actually have to experience their day-to-day reality because it was just Matt and yeah. I. And, um, People forget the bonding nature of suffering. Yeah. And it's just, and there's also like, I don't know, there's like experiences that would happen. I, I actually, <clears throat> when we were in the South on that October tour, there was a uh, cop that started following us around because we had Quebec license plates and he pulled us over once and uh, was like, I'm just pulling you over because uh, if you if you pull out of a gas station like that, they're going to run you over here. Like, uh, what do you mean run us over? It's like, you can't, you can't be driving like that. I see your license plate in from here, but uh, if you drive like that, they're going to run you over okay uh okay well have a nice day all right bye and then we get back on the highway still he follows us for like 40 minutes and then pulls us over and does a complete car search because uh in in his mind he's just like well uh you guys say you're a band but we got a lot of people running drugs uh down here in texas from quebec like really from quebec (laughs) (laughs) that's a long drive man yeah didn't find anything um played oceaga went across canada with miracle fortress uh, with stars, which that that oh, tour yeah. was crazy because that was those were the biggest shows I'd ever played because stars were um, definitely bigger than Sunset Rubdown. Uh, mm. Notable memory from that was playing a show in West Edmonton Mall, and the lead singer Torkel Campbell just kept f- uh, feeding me magic mushrooms. <laughs> I I played a show completely blitzed on mushrooms to a bunch of fourteen uh, year old kids in West Edmonton Jesus Mall <laughs> in the dead of winter. Uh, my my girlfriend was not pleased with me that year because I was just gone all the time. She actually, I, yeah. when I was going through my emails to try and um, remember where I w- was in 2007, I, I, I some point in December, I wrote a letter to Sunset Rubdown just being concerned about our upcoming tour schedule because I, I basically said, like, I'm worried about how much we're going to be touring in 2008. I think Valerie's going to leave me. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that, that feels like a very classic band thing to email. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, I can see um, the the fall and winter not being fun for her because I did this. Uh, I I did a month long tour of Canada, had two days off in Montreal, and then got on a plane and played Europe for the first time with Miracle Fortress. Actually, not Sunset Rubdown, which was um, interesting. Uh, Played oh, wow. a- played Amsterdam, Antwerp, Paris, London, Manchester, Glasgow, uh, Ireland. Nice. Um, actually, the show we did in Belfast. Uh, this is the last story I'll mention of my tour days. Um, we, oh, man, we were just like hungover all the time. I think like we mm-hmm. from from that Stars tour. Stars corrupted us. They <laughs> those people had the most insane writer ever. Like I, I can't yeah. even. You you remember uh, Owen right? The Irish dude, Owen. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was their manager at the time. Um, which is oh, okay. kind of yeah, crazy because he's, he's like three years younger maniac. than me. So he was like 19 years yeah. old managing. <laughs> like, he's got that vibe though, man. Oh, for he's sure. He's got that. Yeah. I remember breaking up a fight between him and a guy who I think was on PCP. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was quite an evening. <laughs> I remember doing a magic trick once uh, uh, to annoy him at Sparrow and then he uh, grabbed me by the collar and started spanking me in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Owen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, I had some fun time with that guy, but anyways, we were when we were playing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we were like driving into Belfast um, in on like December seventh, and we we're like trying to find this venue. And there's like this lineup outside on the street. Uh, it must have been like Saturday or Sunday morning, and 
we're like, oh, this can't be for us. There's like 200 people lined up outside. Mm. And our tour driver, HN, who I mentioned, the Dixie Chicks loving uh, straight edge punk. Um, okay. <laughs> he, he was just like, oh, no, this is probably for uh, another. There's a bunch of venues on here. This is probably for another band. And the drummer, um, we had two drummers in Miracle Fortress. So the other drummer rolls down the window and yells at this queue of people. He's just like, hey, what band are you here to see? And just very matter-of-factly and somberly, this guy turns to the van. He's like, it's a fucking funeral. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we just awkwardly <laughs> rolled up the window and drove off. <laughs> that is, uh, that's a great twist. That's a great twist. They did not see that coming. Yeah. That really felt like it was going to be a feel-good story. Miracle <laughs> Fortress, we love you. Nope. We, this guy's dead. We 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 got our uh, just desserts that later that night when our our show got totally derailed because the keyboardist keyboard ran out of batteries and during the set had to, he had to run and try and find batteries and it was like a thirty minute wait it was horrible. Anyways, two thousand seven, a lot of shows probably went a little bit off the deep end in terms of what I considered a. Uh, a normal amount of uh, fun. Remember uh, Jeremy Taggart? What what was the analogy he used? Uh, pulling the fun rope? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the work rope and the fun rope. Yeah, you were just pulling the fun rope. <laughs> and it was so d- damn fun, but also yeah. probably detrimental to anything yeah. resembling a normal life back home. <laughs> Out of curiosity, when you when you picture the fun rope and the work rope, what direction are you pulling? <laughs> um, I think it's either lateral or downward. <laughs> But like, is because for me the fun rope is like a down, like when you're ringing a bell, yeah, yeah, like yeah. ding, 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 like you just pull it down, like on a like on a train, and then the work rope is like a big heavy rope you have to pick up from the ground and just like a tug of war. Just yeah, pull it I, I like that. That makes sense. Where were you, Chris? We when we last left you, you I think we're about to start university, and you had been working at Network. So 2007 is a weird year for me because I forgot it. I completely forgot about this year. It turns out I actually moved mm. back to London. Okay, what prompted that? Was that your girlfriend? Yeah, my girlfriend. So remember, I, I went to Vancouver Hazel, with right? um, uh, my girlfriend Hazel at the time. Yeah, um, who's uh, fantastic um, and did not deserve the fuckboy nature of me at that age. We broke up. We got back together. She moved back to London because she missed her family. I stayed in Vancouver for a few months, and then uh, I moved out mm-hmm. to be with her because we wanted to give it another shot, um, which, by the way, never works. Uh, so if anyone listening is thinking of doing that, don't do it. It never, it never works. Just call it a day. Um, so uh, I uh, I moved out. I got a job at a nightclub mm-hmm. called Aura in London, which was um, a nightclub that uh, catered exclusively to the rich and famous. It was things like like I met Pharaoh Monch there. De La Soul did DJ sets. You met De La Soul? I didn't get to meet De La Soul, frustratingly. They never came to the bar. They were just behind the uh, the, the decks on the other end of the club. But it was like it was a tiny little club. Like it was a little it was a little black box of a place with mirrors on the wall to make it feel bigger. This is a place where on my mm. first day, when the owner is walking around and sort of showing me everything, uh, after he's introduced me to everyone, he takes me outside and uh, he offers me a smoke. I go out and smoke. He goes, Okay, no problem. And then um and then he's like, Listen, I was a bartender for a long time before I bought this place. Um, so I know what it's like. So if ever like a, a customer wants to suck you off, just let me know and I'll cover your station so that you know, you can go take care of business. I was like, "What? A, what a curious thing to say." Um, yeah, yes, <laughs> I don't know you. Um, and um, and then later on, I mean, it never happened to me, but I did witness it happening to other people. Um, and he was true to his mm. word. He was yeah. a man of his word. Was this owner? Um, 
And I remember I asked him, like, why is this place so busy? And why is it so, um, why is it the crowd that, that, that it gets? Because there's nothing special yeah. about this nightclub. And, and he said, you know what it is? I opened a place. I made it really hard to get into. And I charged four times what everyone else was charging. And then rich wow. people just showed up because it was a status thing. Fucking amazing. It was crazy. Uh, you had to spend 2,000 <laughs> pounds, pounds to sit down. Because there were tables, but you could only sit at the table if you spent a minimum of 2,000 pounds. And then uh, they would come, the women, the, the waitresses, who were stunning. And I asked them later, because it was like, dudes are handsy and creepy and weird. And yeah. I asked one of them, uh, her name's Catherine. I think, I think she's a photographer now. She's awesome. I was like, how do you put up with it? I'd fucking stab these guys. Um, I want to smash yeah. their heads in, and I'm a guy. They're not even trying to like grab my ass. And she's like, yeah, it sucks, but I paid my way through university with no debt. So how about that? And I was like, right. fair enough. I guess everyone's got to put up with something. It, in the most uh, honest of ways possible, what did this place actually look like with all the lights on? <laughs> D- dirty? You wouldn't, want a, you wouldn't want a blue light in there, you know? <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. CSI, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was something. And it was, like a, it was a weird spot where like, I remember gangsters coming in a lot. And you could always tell who was a real gangster and who was trying to prove themselves because guys that were at the top were so nice, yeah, so patient, really polite, never paid for anything, always ordered. And then, uh, and then they're like underlings, uh, were assholes, uh, because yeah. they were trying to like prove how tough they were to a bartender. I don't give a shit. It's like, it's like, uh, fucking Matt Bell, Bell, Bevilacqua from Sopranos, like all those, like, yeah, fucking douchey people. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The kids, the, the, the one that, uh, beats the shit out of that guy in a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, well, what do you, you're just angry and you, you don't have the respect you think you deserve. So was, there was some of that. We used to get, um, People high up in like the Qatari royal family and um, oh, wow. what was that like? Emiratis and things like that. They were so funny because they were they were surprisingly polite as well. Um, but they they didn't drink because they were devout. And so okay. that what they would do is they would order like champagne for everyone in the club uh-huh. and then have a Diet Coke. And it was just about it was just about opulence. It was about showing how much money you had, and that was what this whole place was. It was like there was one thing that where if you spent enough money, so that the tiers went two thousand pounds to sit down to have a table, um, yeah. then another like thousand, I think, on an order, and then the waitresses would come out with the bottles of almost always Grey Goose or Champagne. That was basically what people mm-hmm. drank there, with sparklers in them to attract attention to show who was spending money. So they would walk yeah. from the back of the bar to the table, put the sparklers down. So it's beautiful women in not much clothes with uh, uh, bright lights sort of attracting all the attention. And you could watch the packs of people that had shown up that weren't necessarily rich but wanted to be in this rich club move from table to table depending on who yeah. had just ordered something. I remember these um, like three girls. They were like 19 maybe. Um, they were clearly in university and had just heard that it was a cool club. They were very pretty. Um, and were nice. They just came up to the bar and they were like, can we have three gin and tonics? And I remember I'd worked there for about four months at that point. So I knew how it worked. And I was just like, listen, you don't want that because a gin and tonic here is 12 pounds. Uh, just to give you uh, um, uh, some uh, context, normally in bars at the time, a gin and tonic would have been three. Yeah. And this is like, this isn't special gin. This is Bombay Sapphire. This is run of the mill gin. It's just 12 pounds. And their faces just dropped. They were so sad because they were students. They couldn't fucking afford that. 
And yeah. I was like, here's what you're going to do. You're all very pretty. You're going to go out on the dance floor. Guys are going to come up, start dancing on you, and then they're going to buy you drinks. It'll take about nice. five minutes. And, uh, and the girls went, okay, cool. So they went out to the dance floor. Within three minutes, they'd all come back with three different guys, and they all ordered bottles of champagne. The jump, wow. the jump okay. from Bombay <laughs> Sapphire and Tonic to champagne was immediate, and the guys didn't even blink. It was just, mm. it was just that kind of bar. But it was like, so there was the table, then the sparklers, and then the peak. And this was only for regulars, people who spent a lot of money regularly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it assigned an arbitrary number, but let's say it was about five grand an order. If you spent five mm. grand on one order, um, the DJ had to stop whatever they were playing <laughs> and play your theme song. <laughs> and the theme song would be like the two that stand out to me because they got yeah. in a bidding war was um the batman theme song <laughs> wait okay but which batman from the the first movie <laughs> and uh and the darth vader theme song both very bleak songs yeah also the darth vader he's not the hero of that he's movie not either. the hero but neither are any <laughs> of the people in this bar they are under no illusions that they're the hero so so um so they like one guy orders and the Batman theme song plays and everyone kind of is like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. It's a fucking baller move. Uh, and then yeah. two minutes later, Darth Vader theme song plays. Now they're going back and forth to try to show off. And it, is anybody dancing to this? They, too? they just... couldn't anymore because <laughs> it kept breaking up the song so much. The dancers started complaining because you couldn't. There wasn't enough time. How do to you move dance to the Imperial March? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> it was uh I've never seen anything like it. And then ever, like we had to we had people checking guns at the door um cuz we had we had man. no um no weapons obviously. We had um we had prostitutes that we knew were prostitutes, but they were like our not house prostitutes cuz it wasn't a brothel, but they were sort of um the approved ones because if you're catering to that clientele, um prostitutes will show up. And so I think there was sort of an unofficial deal between the club and whoever was providing these women and uh, drug dealers well, uh, that it was like, this is your territory, fine. And so I remember the, right. the, the, the sex workers would come up and they would order. And we had like an unspoken deal where we would act like we had never seen them before. And we were not aware that they were just about to order a martini and lemonade, um, which, is, uh, which was their drink partly because it was sweet and partly because it's very low alcohol. And then... They would berate the guy that bought them drinks for not tipping us. Hmm. So uh, I remember one one in particular. She ordered her drink. He ordered whatever Jack and Coke, some some nonsense. And then he went to leave, and she went, "Are you not Are you not going to tip this bartender? I don't date cheap guys." And he yeah. went, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And he just pulled out. And he handed me a fifty, and I was like, <laughs> "This is this is remor I'm a I'm very much a remora fish right now. I am just swimming yeah. in her slipstream." Um. But again, really nice. Um, it was a very strange ecosystem that I'm glad that I saw because I, yeah. I wouldn't have believed that it existed if I hadn't seen it. So how long did you do that for? What, what, not, this, is, this spans from when to when? Not long. I think I was there for about five or six months. And even then, I was only working part-time. No one was allowed to work more than f three or four days a week because anyone that worked five quit because it was so terrible okay. working there. Yeah. Uh, and so the bosses just didn't allow it anymore. Then... Um, Hazel and I broke up uh, for the last time. I moved back to Canada, and then I went to university. Uh, I went to Cavallano Community College because my grades weren't good um, in high school. What did you take? Um, a bunch of uh, uh, 
politics and um, economics courses, as well as like a few natural sciences. And I absolutely loved it. 30-person classes, really engaged teachers who were passionate and knowledgeable and fun. Um, I remember one, one of my economics teachers was so great. He was like, he's like, I'm a very rich man. And someone immediately was like, well, then why are you teaching here? And he just, and he was like, you know what? There's only so many cruises you can take. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. But he was great because he was, because he had like real world knowledge of running a successful business. And so okay. he would go, here's the economic theory. Um, here's what it's based in. Here's what, um, uh, uh, proponents of free markets will tell you is the case and here is what we actually do with it so it was such a great education for that there's nothing that you've mentioned on this podcast so far that hints at that oh that's because we're that's because we're talking about big shiny tunes (laughs) (laughs) i had i had a a subscription to the economist straight out of high school um i was reading you know plato and cicero and um chomsky and mm-hmm. uh, all these all these people on my own. And part of why I wanted to go to university is, A, I thought that I'd finally find people that I could talk to about it because none of my friends gave a shit. Um, and so I really, really loved going to Capilano. If anyone, I mean, I can't speak to it now because it's a university and this is 14 years ago. But at the time, I honestly, it was exactly what I hoped I would get out of a university experience, uh, which is the opposite of what I got when I went to McGill. <laughs> There's a thing where I became worried that if uh, if I was one of those people who sort of spent a lot of time reading about politics and the news um, and, uh, you know, economics and philosophy and whatever, with no one to talk to about it, I was like, that's how you go nuts. Like, that's how you get dudes who write <laughs> manifestos and smash or, things. Or even less worse i guess uh becoming that boring guy at the bar yeah 100 percent. which i was for a long time like i got really really deep in like i remember you, you you were the fucking guy who goes up to matt damon and goodwill hunting yeah i just but it wasn't even about proving anything it was that it was all i yeah. was thinking about and so all of my all of my frames of references just came back to it were you, were you still dreaming of starting uh your record label impaired vision no no as a uh, network cleared me of that you saw how the meat was made yeah 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 and while i loved network and i honestly have nothing but good things to say about them there i i mean it was that moment at the billy talent show where they were all sitting right. in their suits um sort of casually enjoying a stadium rock show and i was like oh i don't yeah. i don't want to be that um and so uh i want to still be the sweaty guy in the pit and i wasn't sure that i'd be yeah. able to do that and so i just I was like, cool, now I know that that's no longer a dream of mine, so I can move on. And that was, I think, part of what freed me to finally go and study politics. Um, But it was more about, I mean, it's the same thing that I love about stand-up now, where I'm just fascinated with how people make decisions. And that's all Mm -hmm. economics is, and that's all politics is. And now what I've done is, like, I've taken that that interest, which used to be at, like, a, a structural level, um, mm-hmm. And now it's more on an interpersonal level and an individual cultural level, and so that's just that's just a natural evolution into into my standup. Is uh, I grew out of what it was, and not that anyone necessarily has to. I mean, politics and economics are deeply, deeply important, but uh, but my interests sort of shifted as I aged. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I made any uh, decisions in two thousand seven that <laughs> was based on economics. Like, mm-hmm. I'd say half of the shows we played were totally at a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when I was going through the emails, I what what was really interesting is just like how 
um, what what you what you were saying about seeing how network was run totally rang a bell with um, my experience going through some of these emails because Chris, I was a hot commodity that year. People just yeah. wanted me to play in their band, but I you know I had other tours that were kind of in the midst of being booked. There was all this talk between booking agents and stuff, and and at the end of the day, they were all just obsessed with making money mm. um, for themselves. Yeah, because like I, I I'm pretty sure if we had gone and looked at the contracts for some of these shows, especially the ones we were doing with Miracle Fortress, yeah. we'd be like, oh wait a minute. I, we're only making 50 pounds for this Manchester show for the five of us. Yep. Where's the, what? Hmm. Oh, well, at least we're in Europe. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> if anyone listening to this is thinking about going into anything creative, two things that I will tell you that I have found to be absolutely true, and Jordan, I think you'll agree with, is um, yeah. uh, if you want to succeed, part of what you need to do is figure out how you're, you can make money for other people. Yeah, because if people were like, "Well, why should I book you instead of these people?" Because I'll sell X many tickets. Because I bring this to the table. Because of whatever. Because they are out to make money for themselves. They're not about promoting your art, unless you find like, like a really weird exception, like that super mensch guy who was Alice Cooper's manager. Um, yeah, and even he is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. So you know he had his own money in, in mind. And then the other thing is, read all your contracts. Read every fucking contract. <laughs> Or, or even know that a contract exists, which I did not uh, read or know of in the case of a lot of these shows we played. But yeah. um, that that kind of uh, possible sting of realizing how much you're getting ripped off in your 20s mm. playing these shows is totally offset by it's like so if, if somebody gave you like it's like in on the one hand, you're only making 20 pounds for the show. Mm. Aw. But on the other hand, unlimited drink tickets for the night. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That, that, that's really all it came down to. I was so stoked to just be seeing places for the first time that I didn't really give a shit. Oh, for uh, sure. But, like I had enough to eat and had enough to drink and got to play a show and uh, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the number of times I've done, I've done shows where I, I lost money, uh, yeah. but I was so glad I got to go and do it. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, like just going out to, I, th- I think I went to Budapest for like 70 euros uh but they paid they paid for my transport and my hotel and i was like yeah. i've never been to budapest fuck yeah i'll go to budapest and it was a tiny little basement show and i had a blast <laughs> and i don't regret it amazing but yeah but like yeah and obviously anyone there's there's a bunch of creative stuff that i'm not mentioning because that sort of a lot of it goes without saying and is about passion but the things that no one thinks about are the contracts and yep. and what people in the industry want it's not about fair it's not about are you the best it's can you make this company money? That's why agents sign mm-hmm. you. That's why record labels sign you. You need to be aware of that if you want to get into this industry because it is an industry. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and your reputation uh, will trickle down uh, throughout the years. Uh, the last thing I want to mention too is uh, on that Stars tour we played, we played in Winnipeg. There's a theater now called the Burden Cummings Theater. Oh, yeah. I guess he bought it so he could name it after himself. <laughs> nice. Um, and I remember walking down one of the hallways and in a Sharpie, uh, some previous time, somebody had written Burton Cummings as an asshole. And, and I saw like a member of the staff walk by. I'm like, Hey, like, looks like you guys need to get rid of that. It's like, no, no, no. One of our staff wrote that. <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, should we, let, should we do notable exceptions? Sure. Yeah. Um, so 2007 or do we do uh, do we i mean for we've been doing this for months 
And I can't yeah. remember if we do top tens first or if we do notable exceptions first. Well, I think it would be interesting to, because I, I think the divide between the um, our notable emissions and the mainstream at the time is super wide. Because mm. I, um, so yeah. let's do notable emissions first. Because okay. I made, I think there was a lot of great music in 2007. Really good year um, for music. Yeah, like I, I, I kind of made a uh, alternate Big Shiny Tunes twelve playlist awesome. based on stuff that came out this year. Awesome. Um, uh, so yeah, Radiohead, anything off in Rainbows, Obviously, yeah. love that record. Yeah. So many good songs on that. Um, Black Lips, the garage band from the States. Nice. Bad Kids would have been awesome. Kids by MGMT. Oh shit! Be on here. That would have been yeah. a total banger. I can't believe that didn't um, make it. Uh, this any uh, skinny love off Bon Iver, which I still mm. to this day at the at the store I sell on average of two copies of For Emma Forever Ago. It's baffling that that mm. record still sells uh, for a guy who's just basically crying in a cabin somewhere. It's a beautiful um, album, and it's a very Montreal album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, M.I.A. Paper Planes. Mm-hmm. That song was a jam that yeah. year. Even though it came out just uh, shortly, a couple months before 2007, uh, there were, there were 2006 songs on this edition of Big Shiny Tunes. Mm-hmm. So Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, uh, could have been on here. Yep. Uh, personal favorite of that year, even though it wouldn't have actually fit. But again, this is my dream Big Shiny Tunes playlist. Soldier Boy with Crank That. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Soldier love Boy that song. This. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Superman that hoe was one of the weirdest things I ever had to look up. Like that's oh Jesus, what a that's strange terrible. time. Uh, fucking Soldier Boy was. Yeah, um, Lily Allen's smile could have fit into the gorilla slot of. Uh, yeah, good shout. Yeah, uh, the young folks, Peter Bjorn and John. Oh, fucking f- that song was huge right. too. I forgot about Peter Bjorn and John. Feist came out with a reminder that year. Mm-hmm. One two three four could have been on here. Yeah. Um, Justice. Uh, anything off that Justice album, Dance maybe, um, LCD Sound System, All My Friends. Um, mm-hmm. And also, yeah, we had uh, Arcade Fire with Neon Bible that year. Could have put that anything off that record on here, Keep the Car Running. Yeah. Um, and personal favorite of that year, uh, which I don't know if you've actually heard, Chris. Um, it would surprise me, but I it was like a big jam amongst my circles, which was the song called Atlas by a band called Battles. Oh, I have heard Battles. Um, yeah. But I don't really remember much of their stuff. No worries. But yeah, a lot of good music in 2007, uh, none of which was reflected here. But um, and yeah, I mean, I, let's let's get to yours because I'm sure you're actually better at bridging the divide of what could have realistically been put on here. But um, I actually had a lot of the same ones as you. Um, so like okay. Arcade Fire is obviously on there. Uh, I had Feist, which I mean, Maroon 5 is on this album. If you're going to open oh. up the books, then fucking open them up and put a Canadian artist who's great <laughs> on this album. I love Feist. Um, uh, in Rainbows, obviously, LCD Sound System, obviously. Uh, the only ones that I that I had that were different from yours were um, White Stripes released Icky Thump. Mm-hmm. Um, the White Stripes still haven't had a song in any of the Big Shiny Tunes, and that is a travesty. Um, uh, Dirty Projectors released Rise Above. Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, I saw that one, but I'm like, I don't know if that's too obscure for uh, our listeners or for Chris. I so love the Dirty I Projectors. Corrected. I think I really, really love the Dirty Projectors. Um, and uh, I think that absolutely could have filled, especially in the more sort of like people were starting to add a little bit more interesting things to even boring rock. It's a little bit more danceable. I definitely would have put Dirty Projectors on here. Uh, the last one was Gogo Bordello. I remember them. Yeah. Gogo Bordello released Super Taranta, and they should absolutely be on here. So, a magical time, 
for our lives in terms of music listening and uh, drug taking too mm-hmm. apparently wonderful uh, um but let's bring this down to mainstream reality what was happening in the top 10 landscape in america and canada okay. this year actually so america like last year funky with a hint of country um <laughs> you've got uh, uh irreplaceable by beyonce number one this is when beyonce started to take over as a solo artist umbrella Classic Jam by Rihanna featuring yep. Jay-Z. The next song, number three, was The Sweet Escape by Gwen Stefani featuring Akon, which I don't remember, but I remember Gwen Stefani making music with Akon. I assume it was very danceable. Mm-hmm. Um, big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie. Remember when Fergie was supposed to be a big deal? Is that the cover of the Frankie Valley song? I certainly hope not. Uh, but... They don't cry. We don't cry. <laughs> the next one was Buy You a Drank by T-Pain featuring Young jock t-pain that sounds fun <laughs> this was the beginning of uh the auto-tune era and t-pain was carrying that flag uh, mm. uh watch him sing it uh practically a cappella, just with a, a keyboard accompanying it during his npr tiny desk concert it is okay. surreal partly because he's a really <laughs> good singer it's so frustrating oh wow okay <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood. Then it was uh, Hey There Delilah, Plain White Tees, which is a song that I always oh, wanted to hate oh. and couldn't bring myself to. Oh, I hate you for not being able to hate that song. I, Chris, I, I quit. I couldn't hate it. I couldn't hate it. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you? I don't know. It's just nice. It's just nice. Oh, oh go, go, go to hell. Oh, if you think you're mad now, just wait. Um, uh, I Want to Love You, Akon featuring Snoop Dogg. Akon, two, two tracks in the top 10. Good for you. Um, Say It Right by Nelly Furtado, uh, and then uh, Glamorous by Fergie featuring Ludacris. Two tracks in the top 10 by Fergie. Weird. Okay, and Canada, as usual, no top 10 because no one keeps track. But at the same time, I don't think there are even 10 songs on this. <laughs> this is, wow. I was just like, fuck it. Wow, okay. Wow, we really committed to some fucking tracks. All right. Um, okay, so it opens with... The song that closed the last year, The Saints Are Coming, You 2 and Green Day, Together at Last. <laughs> Did you end up watching that? No, I forgot about it immediately. Is it good? It was a, it was, it was a Katrina relief song. Of which course it my was. Theory, my theory of why we never heard of it was because in all, in all normal circumstances, we would make fun of this collaboration. Mm. But because of the subject matter, we couldn't. So everyone just ignored it. Yeah. Because it's like you couldn't really make fun of it for the cause. But uh, yeah, if, if it had been just a, a, a total like jam between the two bands for fun, then we would be yeah. talking about it. Yeah, sure. uh, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Oh, and that explains <laughs> the, the title, The Saints Are Coming. Um, yeah. Well, good for them. I hope they raise a lot of money and helps a lot of people. I can't believe we didn't get to talk about Kanye West saying George Bush hates black people. But what, what can be said about that that hasn't already been said? It was a... Sh- uh, sh- the, fact, the fact that I saw it happen live while eating at Arahova Amazing. Theater. Amazing. <laughs> What a great moment that was. It was great because they didn't have the sound on, but they had close captions on. So I read it. I read it happen. It's like, did he really just say that? That's awesome. Uh, then, uh, so that was that was number one for three weeks. Yep. Then uh, U2 takes it solo with Window in the Skies uh, <laughs> until March 15th. So that's like two and a half months. Um, yeah. Then 30 Seconds to Mars for two weeks with The Kill. <sighs> no, no. Uh, then Akon, Don't Matter, for three weeks. Uh, for one week, the Arctic Monkeys held it with Brainstorm. And then uh, for uh, f- 
um, the month of May, Nine Inch Nails had it with survivalism, which is shocking. What the fuck? <laughs> then Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. We're back in. Um, All right. Hey, hey, you, you, I am not Nine Inch Nails. Um, <laughs> so, then, so that was number one for a month. Then uh, Give It To Me by Timberland featuring Nelly Furtado and Justin Timberlake, which I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I assume is a jam because those are three very talented people. Uh, Makes Me Wonder by Maroon 5 had it for a month. Umbrella uh, by Rihanna had it for five weeks. Big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie for two weeks. Hey There Delilah for a week. Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston. Remember that song? No. Uh, Should I? uh, Probably not. (laughs) Um, Hey There Delilah is back for two weeks. Uh, is this just your your iPod? Sh- yeah, this is yeah. This is, these are just my songs. Um, <laughs> the way I are by Timbaland featuring <laughs> Carrie Hilson. Uh, oh. Fine. Um, Stronger by Kanye. Absolute jam. Yeah. Um, Give me more by Britney Spears, uh, who had been gone for a little while. Then Stronger again by Kanye, and then for the last two months, Apologize by Timbaland featuring One Republic. Timbaland has three songs this year. That's yeah. he fucking rocked it in two thousand seven. Um, so that is the top tens. Let's see how Big Shiny Tunes fits into this. So jumping right in, uh, we're gonna see this throughout the compilation. I, I want you. Okay, my assumption is that you're going to uh, defend this song. <laughs> love it. Love this song. Uh, first it. song is Finger Eleven Paralyzer, which Chris. Uh, Something happened to his brain chemistry at some point that he thinks this is a good song. Chris, would you prefer to stick up for this song before I uh, find it guilty and hang it? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say good things, okay. then you'll say bad things, <laughs> yes. and then I'll prove you wrong, because this is a jam. This song is so fun. It's so silly. Don't give a shit about the words. This is hip-hop in the mailroom at Network Records. Mm. It's not about what he's saying. It's about the way it makes you feel. This is like just the hook just uh, uh, got in my head. The drums make you want to move. Even the video has modern dance in it. This is a step forward for boring rock bands everywhere. I love this. They just took that danciness from metal or from indie rock that we've been hearing the last few weeks and added it into this, and it's just fun, uh, especially compared to the last Finger Eleven song, which was One More Thing. Uh, I think that was what it's called, right? Yeah. If a tree, oh, that fucking nonsense. I mean, yeah, I just, I can't help but enjoy the hell out of this song. Straight up fun, which is just so goddamn rare on this compilation that I have to love it. Jordan, hate, hate. Well, before I uh, find the song guilty, I just want to remind our listeners we have a Patreon. Please subscribe to it so we can get Chris the medical attention he needs for thinking <laughs> that there's something fun about the song. This is uh, one of the worst songs I've ever heard. <laughs> this is a spite song written by a douchebag who tried picking up a girl at a Franz Ferdinand show and failed. Um, they, <laughs> You liked the hook of this, Chris? Well, the reason you like the hook of it is because they ripped it off from Franz Ferdinand. This it's basically the inverted guitar part of Take Me Out. Um, really? This guy doesn't have the voice for this kind of music. This is the mainstream trying to um, take something that kind of came out of nowhere. This post-punk revivalism is two years too late on it. And uh, yeah, I, I this is hilarious to me because it's, it's really just um, the bro trying to sing Franz Ferdinand at karaoke. 
<laughs> Very much so, but he makes he makes me tap my foot, and I love it. Like I said, it's not about the lyrics. It's about the way it makes me feel. <laughs> well, Chris is a man of uh, feeling, and much like a worm writhing in a uh, compost full of uh, decaying matter, um, I feel like you are a lot more open to the garbage of the world, which in some ways I would say makes you a more well-rounded human being. But as a man of taste, I must say that this song uh, should be tried at uh, The Hague. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree. All right. <laughs> Next song, Threes and Sevens by Queens of the Stone Age. Jordan, hit me. Do you remember Colin James? Yeah, I do remember Colin. I'd forgotten about him, but I do, yeah. Do you remember? He he had this song, which uh, is basically, I think, the formula of uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, the title of that song basically was called Chicks and Cars in the Third World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. This song is weirdly disjointed to me. Like the... Um, and I feel like it's not that good, but the video makes it even worse to me because this yeah. feels like Josh Holm got really into Death Proof that was released that yeah. year yeah, and yeah. felt jealous that he didn't come up with the idea first. Oh, I hate this video so much. It's, uh, yeah, the video, I think the video is the worst part of this song. I, like, this is totally perfect for uh, Big Shiny Tunes where it's at. Like, if Big Shiny Tunes, if you could peer into the inner workings of the people uh, at Big Shiny Tunes, I think that this video just plays on a loop in their head at all times like this is big shiny yeah. tunes being like what do you mean we don't have women uh on our compilation we got that uh uh queens of the stone age video yeah they're tough but they're also in their underwear a lot looking sultrily into the camera um i thought it was like like it was disjointed for sure it's like it's a weird song it sort of it's in a lot of it it's trying to be a few different things um but it was still kind of like a funky janky song I didn't hate it. I didn't like love it, but it was like, all right, this is if it if it came on, I'd let it play through probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it felt like it was like three or four songs in one. I don't know what it is about Queens of the Stone Age. I've been thinking about it lately because it was like I owned songs for, songs for the deaf. Yeah. And I um, it's the only Queens of the Stone Age album I've ever owned, and I loved it in theory, but I never listened to it. And there's just something about Queens of the Stone Age that like I like them. But they weird me out. They make me feel odd. Yeah. And not in like a cool, exciting way. Yeah. In a way that's sort of off-putting. Yeah. Um, and so like I love them in name only, uh, which is a very strange relationship to have with a band. This song really grabbed me for that. And then when I saw the video, it only enhanced that feeling. For sure. Of like, this is weird. So, so for anyone uh, listening, if you haven't seen the video, it's um, it's about four dangerous, sexy women who are... Pulling heists and they're dangerous and sexual and they don't give a damn about anybody. Licking knives in the desert. <laughs> Sepia tone, grindhouse style. And uh, you're absolutely right. He saw Death Proof and went that. Um, and it's just, it's a genre that let them enjoy a cartoon yeah. version of powerful women. Yeah. While getting to um, have all the things that would be accused of. Uh, what would be leveled against them in terms of being sexist? Because they all get to like writhe around and wear scantily clad clothes, but uh, but since they're the heroes of it, it's feminist. Yeah, one thing one thing that um, that I think is worth is worth noting is that even though they're like these strong, independent women, they're still dancing for the men. Yeah, to watch like it's clearly like um, uh, uh, when they're when they're literally dancing on a pole. Um, it's not for them. Yeah, clearly, it's I, about uh, it's about being watched, uh, which uh, 
uh, sort of removes some of the um, the feminist vibe from it, you know? Josh Holm deserves every bad thing that's said about him for kicking that woman in the face. That's all I say. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, cool. I think that sums that one up. Next song, Good Left Undone by Rise Against. I'm so worried I, that you like this song. So this is a weird oh, this is a weird one for me because no. I didn't like it necessarily. Okay, okay. But as soon as as soon as I heard it, um, it brought me back to playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not because this this song isn't even on there. It's just that vibe. The vibe, yeah, yeah. Um and it was it was sort of like Pennywise esque. Okay. Which is exactly the punk that I loved when I was really into punk. Yeah. And so even though I didn't really I didn't like the song, I'm not mad at it because they reminded me of bands that I loved. So it, it sits in a weird thing. Like I, I would skip it if it came on. Yeah. But also like the first feeling that I had when I was listening to it was just like, oh, this is I'm I'm 14. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was that was nice. So I can't I can't be mad at it, but it's that's basically that's what garbage smell. That's not that's not the band, that's association, you know. Fair enough. Yeah. I And also the video was super fucking weird. What are they, ants? And there's a girl <laughs> in a field and they never explain why. Like I didn't understand it at all. Um my my girlfriend Sarah uh teaches a lot of poetry workshops and she says the most common thing men still do when writing about women in their poems is compare women to flowers, which <laughs> this guy does all throughout. Um and yeah, I mean I I'm reserving my intense hatred more for this next song we're going to get into, but um, this is another band like The Used who should have music that's way more badass than this. Rise Against? That's like... uh, Anyways, and I also hate when musicians get really into a performance for the music video, like, um, in in a way that just... uh, is yeah let's just move on to this next song because like i i don't really have uh much to say yeah there's not much there's not much to say about Uh, but other than the title of the song could the title of the the rise against song the good left undone could basically be the subtitle for our podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think of all the good you could have done much music and you wasted it so that brings us to uh speaking of wasted potential three days grace never too late it is fucking too late uh at this point jesus christ i hate this song and i especially hate this video um this guy doesn't care or know about suicidal people and people with mental Mm -hmm. illness that fucking line he says in the chorus even if i say it'll be all right still i hear you say you want to end your life that's not how depression works if you don't say you don't tell someone it'll be all right and assume that they're going to get better like these people need help they need therapy they need to figure out how their particular brain chemistry works and somebody like you is not going to turn that around buddy (laughs) you try writing a a a three power chord song about the 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 specifics of dealing with depression the intricacies of mental illness i want to i i i so badly want to ruin an important occasion for the singer of this band just because i had to watch the video at six in the morning (laughs) this ruined getting up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have many, many thoughts about this, uh, except like, I mean, my first note is just boo. Um, the video's over the top nonsense. Ugh. I wrote the angel in it is black. Is that anything? I doubt it. That's what Spike Lee refers to as the magical Negro. It's like the yeah, most ham-fisted attempt at, uh, like that. That's the most offensive thing about the song, in in, in a way. I think what really pisses me off is that. Um, you can tell that this because they're from Canada. There is a certain mm. uh, low budget aspect to the video that, compared to you know, like 
stuff made in America by A-list directors. Mm. But nonetheless, the low-budget reel of diarrhea that they call a music video still cost more to make than you and I both made in the past year times five. I'm oh, sure. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, Three Days Grace, still bad. Uh, he looks like Chris Gaines. Remember, yeah, uh, remember Garth Brooks? Something weird character? has happened into his face. Like, if you think about him and uh, hate everything about you or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, like, I to the point where I did something I never thought I'd do, and I went to Three Days Grace Wikipedia page to see if they'd gotten a new singer. Maybe it's like the fucking Paula's Dead conspiracy. Where... <laughs> yeah. Well, no, apparently they did change singers, but not until 2013. So this is the same guy that had a mohawk three years ago, Ugh. and uh, now he's just completed his uh, his AFI transformation. Mm. Can, I, can I say one more thing I hate about this video? Yeah, sure. It, it does that thing which really annoys me, especially because it's so basic if you play music that it really feels like they don't give a shit. It keeps cutting to shots where the drummer is also singing backups and he's singing it with this hanging mic in front of his face while playing drums. You would never mic a drummer like that because all the bleed from his drums would be going into his mic. That is not the kind of vocal yeah. mic a drum would use. Fuck you. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a nice little insight. That's great. As I never thought about it. And as soon as you said that, I was like, yep, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. Oh, is this going to be another uh, disagreement song we're coming up to next? I don't I don't know, actually. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. You want to cue it up? The next song is Wake Up Call by Maroon 5. So my, my first note on this is, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is such a weird, because it's like, it's not a bad pop song, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like it does, it does the things that you want a pop song to do. But what the fuck is it doing here? Yeah. Um, what did you think of Adam Levine's acting in this uh, music video? Dude, the video is so <laughs> literal. Like I just couldn't stop laughing at how literal this goddamn video is. Man, because he's just like the song is about being cheated on, and so he shoots them. And then the video is people being cheated on, and he shoots them. And it was like. There's an anarchy symbol at one point yeah, in yeah. it, and it's like, what are you, what are you Dude, doing here? It's like, so hilarious when guys like this pretend to be badass. Um, yeah, Jesus. Just because you have tattoos, man, it doesn't mean what it used to. So, like, it, it, in one part of the song, he says, I didn't hear what you were saying. I live on raw emotion, baby. <laughs> <laughs> let, let that line sink in for a second, but... So this Jesus. girl cheats on you because you're the kind of person quoted above, and you're fucking surprised? <laughs> um some serious sad boy lyrics too uh which is kind of weird considering how this is a total dance song but um fucking oh my god this line is so bad i would have bled to make you happy you didn't need to treat me that way yeah yeah just like just nonsense but like i mean musically it's fine well i can see this being a good yeah i can see this being a good song if somebody like the bgs got their hands on it or something yeah, and I mean, even like Adam Levine is. Uh, am I wrong in thinking that he's a fairly talented singer? I I don't know. I guess in terms of charisma, maybe, but his voice just annoys me. Like I, I don't feel like he's yeah. uh, that versatile. But what do I know? Fair enough. I mean, I remember when Maroon Five came out, and they were basically like a punching bag for anyone that liked alt music. <laughs> and so the fact that they're on the alt compilation <laughs> yeah. that has stubbornly refused to accept more interesting music over the years and this is what broke through is genuinely fierce like i'm still mad that feist didn't get this spot well but but i'm not that surprised because i think this compilation really tried to sell the kind of um 
dance pop alt alt dance kind of stuff that mm. was happening a few years back with yeah. Franz Ferdinand and, and stuff. But now it's the mainstream that are catching on, which is also evident in the um, in the hooks of uh, this next uh, atrocity of a song. Mm. Um, but yeah. do you have anything more to say about uh, old Maroon Five? No, no, I, I, I've never had much to say about Maroon Five. They, they shouldn't be on this album. That's all I have to say. I mean, it's if you liked it, fine. But I think we can all agree that it has no fucking business being on this album. I want to maroon them on a fucking deserted island. Five separate islands, so they're alone. <laughs> they can't even uh, communicate to each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay, which brings us to this next band, Fallout Boy, the Takeover, the Breaks Over. I really hate that. I, I, really hate, I that hate this title. band too. Um. Uh. I, I don't know where to start with this other than do you remember how popular the bassist of this band was apparently? I had forgotten until I watched the music video and I saw his face and I was like, I remember that face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. It's just like his, he was, I think he was like, he was like a, a heartthrob kind of guy, wasn't he? Yeah. I, like he, it was one yeah. of those situations where he was more, I, I think a lot of people thought he was the lead singer of the band until they saw mm. the band. Cause he was the one who got, talked about and he wrote the lyrics to the song which actually makes a little bit more sense but these lyrics are just wretched um uh this song's apparently about um challenging the fans if they're actually fans of the band or if they just like fallout boy because of how popular the bassist is which who gives a shit like the song is horrible um the song doesn't deserve fans i the chorus and that dumb line about what kind of fan you want to be. Would you rather be a widow or a divorcee? I hate that line so much. I hate it. Uh, I mean, the answer is obvious. You'd rather be a divorcee. Who wants to be a fucking widow? I mean, maybe, but then, I mean, widows, uh, in theory, had a happy marriage all the way through, and so they can enjoy that, whereas divorcees are generally, like, pretty angry because something terrible has happened. So, so what would you rather be then, Chris? I don't know. That takes a lot of thought. That's a big decision. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Fallout Boy posed a really philosophical question for you? Yeah, they nailed it. Oh they're modern. Uh, uh, they're modern day Slavoj Žižek's. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I can't. I can't stand. Uh, I can't stand this song. I, it makes me mad. Uh, Fallout Boy occupies this weird spot. You're going to be so mad at me. Uh, with uh, Panic at the Disco, did the same thing to me where it's like this weird like i don't know how they did it but it feels like they slipped a knife between my ribs like they just pierced my armor somehow and i can't help but just be like ah this is all right wait and i don't a know knife why between I, your like, ribs <laughs> like they just like they just like slipped it in like just just fucking got in there when i wasn't looking and i'm like why do i why am i enjoying this i know that i shouldn't enjoy this this is very frustrating and yet here i am having a good time Maybe it has something to do with the uh, hypothetical dialectics they pose in their questions. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I spent a lot of time considering the uh, uh, the, the lyrics of Fall Out Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> late at night, pipe in hand, scotch, mm. Fall Out Boy lyric sheet. You know me. Candle lit. The video's just silly. It's a dog's dream. And there's a breakdancing mailman. Great. And it was just, honestly, it was just like, this. I just can't, I can't be mad at Fall Out Boy. I don't like them. I've never owned any of their albums. I just can't be mad at them. You, and if this song comes on, I will tap my you feet. You absolutely can be mad at them, and your refusal to do so irks me. 
That's totally fair. I knew I knew you're going to be mad at me a lot, a lot on this episode. But uh, so but I got I got I got to be honest. I can't I can't be out of your lying. This is uh this is this is uh this is music that I enjoyed, and I know and and I know that I'm wrong, and yet and yet, you sound like the kind of person who uh, has moment of reflection after they've been tried for murder and realize they shouldn't have killed somebody but they have to accept that they killed someone so uh, no it's the opposite it's (laughs) i've been tried for murder and found guilty and i'm like i know i shouldn't have done it but i'm still glad i did (laughs) (laughs) well much like chris has surrendered all his good taste we that, that brings us to our next song surrender by billy talent it's okay I like the chord changes. Billy Talent yeah, know how to great. write a good song. And I, I really like yeah. the bridge of the song. I'm, mm. I kind of realized I'm not a big fan of his voice for certain styles. Mm. It works for some things. But um, but anyways, all that to say, in my opinion, the song goes up another level when you remember the crime that Fall Out Boy committed to your ears the song before. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I think um, I, I much prefer the singer on more upbeat songs. I don't really like him on the ballads yeah. uh, so much. Um I, one thing I do is there's like a, a like a there's a style to all of their videos mm-hmm. and it, it'd be interesting I I should have looked it up I ran out of time to see if it was the same person directing all their videos so this whole time because yeah. there there really does feel like a through line um, stylistically and thematically and I mean they've all their songs are about sad things yeah but even though it's like you know that the the, uh, the way that they touched on the suburbs in the first one and then. Um, sort of a quintessential happy home surrounding in this one sort of blowing up around them. And then, um, uh, and then even in the church and the one before it's got really, really similar vibe and really similar aesthetics. I'm curious about that because that would, um, that would make a lot of sense. They seem like a band that takes a lot of care, uh, both in how they present themselves and how they make their songs. So I would be interested. Yeah. Again, it's called having good taste. And if, uh, you're presented a lineup of music video directors to choose to work from. And it's like, Hey, we got this director. He directed the latest three days, grace, uh, music video. No, no, we won't be choosing that one. (laughs) No, we're fine. Thank you. Thank you for your offer, sir. We wish you, um, better luck in the future than you've had so far. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, Um, it's, uh, that song was probably better than it, uh, actually was, uh, in light of what surrounds it, it's my theory. But as as in it, like it came off better than it was, or it, it deserved yeah. better, and you would have gotten more if you hadn't just listened to Fall Out Boy. Both. <laughs> Those are contradictory things. They are absolutely not. They both exist. They are both true. Uh, the song deserved better, but also sounded better because of what was around it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, speaking of not deserving anything at all, um, uh, here is Shake Tramp. By Marianas Trench. Blink-182, eh, is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> There's something I, weirdly, this is like for the I hate this. porn generation. Like that line, yeah. slap you like a bitch and take it like a whore. I, I, underst- I fucking hate this. I understand that he's talking about probably what it is working in the music industry or something, but mm. this song is vile there's something totally wretched about everything about the presentation and the mm. lyrics and just his face flapping about like i don't it's yeah there was like and actually i misspoke earlier when i said um uh the opposite of the fallout boy feeling that i got was for old scarlet it was for mariana's trench i uh oh, okay. I misremembered yeah um this is you know what's weird about it is well a it's terrible that's not weird it's just terrible <laughs> yeah. um but like the 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 
the atmosphere of it reminds me of did you ever see pitch perfect no the movie about acapella competition with anna kendrick no i did not it's surprisingly fun it's just fluff are you talking about um, because of the beginning of the song that rips off like Beach Boys? No, because of the the whole song. Okay, <laughs> it feels like it feels like a bunch of acapella creeps <laughs> got kicked out of the acapella world and thought they'd be f- they'd be welcomed into rock. Yeah, um, it's got really weird uh, energy all the way through, which is like both playful and predatory. Yes, and yes I don't yes. like that the I don't like that the video. They clearly, someone said, listen, this song is fucking gross. Uh, So we are going to make the most wholesome video (laughs) possible, and you're going to mug for the goddamn camera. And what I I said I liked about the nonsense of Fallout Boy, where it's all in a dog's dream, and there's a breakdancing mailman. Yeah. (laughs) This is the sinister version of that, where he's mugging to the camera the whole time. And trying to be silly, and it's like you clearly are an asshole, yeah. And I don't like you. I like that analogy of the people that got kicked out of the acapella group because it begs mm. the question why. And my guess is is that these were the guys who um, bought one of those tiny cameras and installed it in a girl's washroom. <laughs> the, the old Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, don't don't bring Chuck Berry into this. He was just trying to protect uh, his business from employees stealing from him or something. Yeah, in the toilet well, from the bowl. The best place to steal something. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish Chuck Berry hadn't have done that. <laughs> really... Yeah, me too. Me too. Because his music was great, but he is a toilet cam. Oh, yeah. Uh No, these guys. I can't prove it. Uh, the jury's still out um, on what these guys actually did, but these something something happened in these guys' lives that made them write. Uh, that line in the course because slap you like a bitch and take it like a whore is absolutely um having it both ways they Mm. are pretending to be against something or making a statement but it's just done for the crass shock value of it um and uh speaking of crass shock value (laughs) um Dude, can we uh, actually no? I mean, this this next song is not anywhere as bad as Mariana's Trench. Shockingly, not as bad no. considering the um, mashup of styles. So that that song is yeah. nothing special by Ill Scarlet. Um, I just kind of felt this was meh. Uh, yeah. And uh, the only thing I wrote about this was, bro, I could really go for some reggae with my punk tonight. Um, and mm. also, uh, literally, this is how little inspired i was the only thing i I wrote this last night before going to sleep so this might not make any sense uh okay i'm supposed to read this it's like tonight we are very pleased to present tonight's soiree featuring the dapper musical stylings of ill scarlet good charlotte presented by me your host josh bartlett i don't know what the fuck that means it's very silly but they okay marianna's trench and ill scarlet both from canada right this is like a very Bottom of I know Marianne's Trenches. I didn't know about El Scarlet. Yeah, I think they're from like the prairie somewhere or something. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Different just kind of whiny, awful though. Yeah. Just whiny teenage nonsense. Yeah. I don't care. Like I, I, I there was no video for it, which I'm thankful for. Um, and it's just that thing of like, it's just, I mean, the song is about how everyone is trying to hold them back from being special. And it's like, A, no one cares. B, uh, I don't know if you watch any documentaries or met anyone that's ever special they just did it 
They didn't wait for encouragement. They just fucking did it. So <laughs> if that's your complaint, just fucking do it, man. Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, they, they're they frequently described as a mix of reggae and punk, which you think would could at least be more ridiculous or fun, but it's actually not. Yeah. So. No, thank you. If I want if I want reggae mixed with something, I'll go to Bedouin Soundclash. Thank you very much. Well, we'll get um, to that. <laughs> we will. Uh, next song, Underclass Hero by Sum 41. This song bummed me out. Okay, but not for uh, the reasons of the previous Sum 41 songs is my guess. Cause, cause in, almost, almost more. Right, because it, they're trying to they're recapture the former. It. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we're 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 totally on the same uh, boat with this. Um, this, yeah, yeah. My, my feeling was that this could have been this would have been welcomed back on Big Shiny Tune Seven. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When when they were still in a good, what's his name, Dexter? If he was still when he was <laughs> Derek, still in a good place, Derek Whit, Derek. Okay, he's just got real Dexter. Dexter is a serial killer um, show. <laughs> also, a brilliant scientist child in a cartoon. Huh. Uh, <laughs> you never watched Dexter's Lab? Great show. Yeah, just they're just faking being some forty one. They're putting on a smile, and even the chorus, we're doing fine. It's like if you have to say it, man. Yeah. And the video too was like them trying to recapture the old fun of like early some forty one. Like there is one moment in it that made me laugh. That's really early on, and they've got a dancing anarchy symbol mascot. <laughs> that's so funny. That's such a funny thing to do. Uh, but uh, but again, it was yeah. They're just going through the motions. And it really, it, it honestly made me sad. Maybe it has something to do with the last batch of some 41 songs that were on the um, last few compilations. But watching this video, my thought was, I don't, I think these guys are too old to be here at this high school party. <laughs> this is. Yes. Yeah. Why are you surrounded by cheerleaders? You're 29. And, and you know, what's weird too, like about some 41, it's, it's um, like the whole subgenre of pop punk. Um, like, have you listened to sex pistol songs like like johnny rotten could totally sell these lines like i don't want to be caught living in a dead end job while praying to my government gods and god right like just really get into the sort of bitterness and fuck you energy of that kind of sentiment but the way that Mm. they sing those lines just seems like it's like they're wanting to have their cake and eat it too it's like we're a fun band but we're also against things and um, yeah. I don't think at at this point I I feel yeah it's it feels confused because somebody must have sat him down and said listen bud like I understand you've been having problems the last few years we're glad you're back on track but like can you you think you can we we got to tap back into that some forty one sound so it just feels yeah. cynical to me like it feels like it's a total move to try and sell records or something right yeah and it's I can't I mean I can't decide what's sadder if they did it for the record labels specifically. Or if they overheard someone saying, man, Derek's really fucking bumming us out, guys. I don't know how long we can go. And so he went, okay, gotta for the guys, I got to be happy again. Let's do it. Both both are depressing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if you had told me when we started this podcast that my main takeaway would be that I just want some 41 to be all right, yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. That is... Uh, I really like these guys are in my heart now. I just want them to be okay. Well, and unfortunately, the only way they could have been okay is if they had just quit making music, I think. Yeah, yeah, if they just sort of settled down, not married Avril Lavigne. Yeah, but you know what they say, Chris, old habits die hard. 
Oh, what a segue <laughs> into a song by 10 Second Epic, who may as well be 30 Seconds to Mars, as far as I'm concerned. Dude, I would have loved so much if this song was 10 seconds long. That would have been great. <laughs> this Canadian emo uh, nonsense is kind of funny, actually. You know what? I got to say one thing, that this song, uh, one thing I'll give it credit for, um, which you'll probably appreciate, is that this song helped me understand how you felt about Filter. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. There's a sad melody in this chorus, which I would have given a pass for if I hadn't have hated everything about the delivery and the guy singing it. Um, <laughs> I hate that line, honestly, your carefree life on weekends is starting to tear us apart. It's like, dude, she just wants to have fun. Like, get over yeah. it. Like, just move on. Um, yeah. These also, guys, you're not 40. These guys were from Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We got married at 19, and you know what? She really hasn't settled down. <laughs> I it's funny, it's funny that you say that thing about the um that one part that you would have excused because this song, I hate I hate I hate the song. I don't want to I I hate to say that I hate this band because I've only heard one song. I've never heard of them before. <laughs> yeah. But judging on this one song, I hate this fucking band. <laughs> Weirdly, at times they reminded me of a band that I used to love mm. that I couldn't quite pin down. I couldn't remember who it was, but I'd get like flashes of a song Get-up that kids? I used to love. Um, no, I don't know the Get Up okay. Kids. Who was it? Um, I I honestly can't remember. I could I wasn't oh, able to, okay. to figure out who it was. But it just it I would get these like little flashes of like oh I remember that band I really liked it. But it was like I didn't like anything about this song. Even the parts that reminded me of someone that I liked, they were doing it wrong. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was a, a very strange. I mean, I don't have a lot of a lot of thoughts on this. This just feels like this whole section of the album for the last what like. Three or four songs. Yeah. Yeah. Four songs is just like just trash, just hidden in the middle. Have you ever it feels been like sh- to Edmonton? Not since I was very little. Okay. I tried to run away from my mom to find a McDonald's in the West Edmonton <laughs> Mall when I was three, I think. Wow. Um, and the uh the security guard caught me. Wow. I'll never forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There there's uh maybe it's just me associating my experiences in Edmonton uh, with this mm. band that makes me hate on them more than they deserve. But um, <laughs> uh, like I prefer Calgary to Edmonton and I hate Calgary. Um, wow. But Edmonton has a unique kind of boring hopelessness, um, which uh, if you feel I'm being too hard on Edmonton, you probably live there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, no one that doesn't live there will defend Edmonton. It's a nice place. Like it's uh the air smells nice. And, um, but uh, I, Pretty... I could go for that after living in London for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ready to move on to this next song? Oh, I was ready to move on from 10-second <laughs> epic. Ten minutes. The moment I read the name of their band. Yeah. Was... Okay, so I'm, I'm um, curious if we're going to disagree on this. I, I want to hear your opinion on it first. Um, do you want to set it up? Sure. It's called The Heinrich Maneuver by Interpol. Um, Interpol famously won the Mercury Prize with the album before this one. Yeah. Um, I now I was, I was in a strange spot with this where um I don't know if I love this song or I just hated the last four. Mm, mm-hmm. Um I feel like it's a it's a great indie song. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's like it's it's really solid. It's really well made. Yeah. Um I missed Interpol when they were big. Um I just I just uh, uh never got around to listening to them for whatever reason. Uh, it might have been that thing if they were so big and so popular that it, it I found it off putting. Yeah. For a little while. Um, but I like I liked it. I thought it was a good song. I thought the video was captivating. Yeah, 
really interesting video that I've never seen before. Um, and I'm sure like someone who watches French films would be like, it's clearly a takeoff of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, the way they zoom in on the mirror and then gradually they just pan out to show the scene throughout it. Like I couldn't look away. It's mm -hmm. the only music video that I actually like paid attention to the whole way through. Can, can I also just point out how funny it was that uh, your example of your, your example of a person who watches French films is, is just a French person. <laughs> it's not even... Yeah, obviously a French person. No one that isn't French watches French films, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, 2007 me who would occasionally work at Boite Noir would beg to disagree. Well, yeah, uh, but you worked in a French film. Thing. You were you were an honorary Frenchman thank for you. that period. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, same kind of thing. Like I, I kind of just avoided Interpol because of the the hype, and then would hear songs and and realize I kind of liked a lot of them. I think they're mm -hmm. one of those bands that are in that weird zone of being too weird to be fully embraced by the mainstream, but they're too mm. pop to be fully weird if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, as yeah, the song is catchy, but it's still, you know, it's kind of like The Cure, or it's like bands that, uh, mm -hmm. even The Cure is like can, way more poppy than uh, Interpol was. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, I don't think it's the best Interpol song, but um, I agree with everything you said, and we should probably just move on because it's not, uh, this is, uh, I've said this in previous episodes, but uh, get out of here, Interpol. You're classing the place up too much. <laughs> Yeah, guys, uh, if they're, uh, listen to Interpol. That's the, we're not talking about it a lot, but that's not because it doesn't deserve to be talked about. It's because it's harder to talk about things you enjoy. Interpol, good. Oh, the, the basis Next. of the band, too. Hilarious. Uh, you can go on YouTube and watch the best of Carlos. Uh, I forget his last name. Um, the most hilarious, pretentious uh, person in a band I've ever seen. It's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, your, your, next band. Yeah, your favorite. Not good. <laughs> next band, not good. <laughs> next band, very not good. The Bird and the not Worm good. Not good, by band. The Used. This is Ugh. this is musical theater, man. This is... I honestly feel like they only watch Tim Burton movies. Yeah. Like, I can't stand these guys. I feel like this song was commissioned by Jeff Martin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I mean, like, while it was, it was a strange uh, uh, thing where, like, I... It felt like they were almost musically from the last song and i know it's tough with singles because you know albums bands go all over the place i was talking to a friend the other day and he's like no but that puddle of mud song on that one that's not their best song and i was like don't even fucking finish that <laughs> sentence <laughs> but um but it's like it's tough to tell stylistically but it did feel like they moved on a little bit in this one and i want to give them credit for that yeah uh they changed uh which i i respect even if i don't like the song I respect an effort. It felt like they were moving towards a more t Billy Talent sort of thing. There were some anthemic moments in it, um, which I got. I I I always want to give people credit for trying to grow. Yeah. Um, I still hate it. They grew in the wrong direction. They're bad. Um, the lyrics don't make sense. Cries like a worm from the bird. Worms famously do not make any noise. I think if he says pick... crawls actually. Oh, I heard cries. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that <laughs> because I was very upset about that. Um, honestly, the thing. The thing that bothered me most about it, because, I mean, there's nothing new about bad music being on this compilation. No. Or hearing bad songs from the used. That is what I expect now. Um, the thing that bummed me out the most, aside from his acting in the music video, stop getting singers to act insane. It's a very difficult, nuanced thing to portray. Yeah. Uh, is that it's, um, uh, I mean, the only part that I really tuned in for, because I found myself zoning out. I found this a really hard song to pay attention to, is um, he's talking about school shootings. And I was like, the worst part is that that was probably a relatable verse. Yeah. That bummed me out. 
Um, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about that when I should have been analyzing how bad the song is. Um, but it's the use, and it's a bad song. Yeah. Well, not. it depends what you mean by bad, because this song is great. That's right. Great. If you ever want to ruin a thoughtful, contemplative mushroom trip with a group of people, just put this song on. Yes. And it would yes, totally that, that is ruin true. the yeah. entire trip. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I, 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 something is weird about this sort of teenage overwrought uh, melodrama that is at least a little bit more over the top than the whiny bullshit we usually put up mm. with. I, I do have to give them credit for at least trying to take it up a notch. Uh, bam, as that guy used to say. Remember that that catchphrase? Bam. Oh, em- Emerald Lagasse. Bam. <laughs> bam. <laughs> I love that. That was a thing. The uh, simpler times. The simpler mo- times. The monosyllabic explanation that launched a million dollars. Um, Dude, the 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 Salt Bay of his day. Oh man. Anyways, um, I feel used having to listen to that song, but uh, which brings us to this next song uh, by. I think the third time they've been on this compilation mm-hmm. third in a row alexi on fire i'm not going to say it right because <laughs> uh, my patience with this band is uh drying up uh this song is called rough hands i i'm about done with this band at this point um yeah like this song honestly it was so moody that i kept expecting matt good to come and spook us at some point during one of the verses <laughs> i don't know man it's just uh it, they they had their thing and they stuck with it i get it like mm. people kind of fall into the formulas of what made them popular, but I kind of resent them not trying to go beyond their sound at this point. Maybe they did on the rest of the record. I don't know. But if the singles are any indication, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it just makes me feel, you know what? It makes me feel how um, driving to Toronto feels on the 401. It's just, I'm kind of dreading it. I feel this deep. That's uh, a great analogy. Yeah. I feel this kind of deep unknown sadness within me that I can't really put into words. And, uh, once I see the skyline of Toronto appear on the horizon, I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're almost here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, okay, I guess we're almost done with this song. <laughs> this was an interesting one because like, I, first I didn't like it. Um, it's the worst, uh, worst Alexis on fire song so far yeah. uh, on this compilation by, by a long shot. Um, and I didn't like the other two really. Um, but this is also, this is the same year that Dallas green released the first city in color album. And I think you can hear it. I, I yeah I've again like I haven't been able to get into um, Dallas Green but if so you so it's, it's basically Alexis on fire without the distortion and the screaming right well it's just it's just singer songwriter yeah pure acoustic guitar stuff um, and so this is like all the way through it's a lot more low key a lot more trying to be melodic yeah um, the screamer feels especially out of place on this. And I refuse to learn his name. He's just the screamer. Yeah. All screamo bands have a singer and a screamer and the screamer gets, a, the singer gets a name. I really, this is a fucking old man thing to say. Yeah. But it really annoys me that the screamer doesn't enunciate. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. Like, um, and the fact that it, it wasn't an inspired enough kind of screaming to make you look up what he's screaming. Um, at all i i Not curious. i had a thought uh when i was getting the notes ready for this compilation um i mm. wish i had been ballsy enough to do this but you probably would have hated me and stopped recording but imagine if i had all my takes were just done in a screamo voice so every song just like I, I'm listening to alexis on fire this is not my favorite song 
the whole the whole hour <laughs> and a half. Imagine how great that would have been. Imagine it, folks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have been. I would have gone through all the stages. I would have been like a Family Guy joke, where I would have laughed, then been like annoyed for a while, and then I would have had to admire the commitment and just laughed again. Well, I am not brave, but you know what? Uh, nothing about this compilation inspires bravery, unless you are the programmer who once again decides to put on this next band on the compilation because same thing as the previous one. Uh, I would normally hate the song. That song is Bedouin sound clash. Uh, sorry. That song is walls fall down by Bedouin sound clash. Um, only had two notes for this, which was road trip, Chris road trip. <laughs> it's the kind of song you just put on in a car, but um, yeah, to paraphrase the great Evelyn Beatrice hall, when it comes to Bedouin sound clash i disapprove of how you sing but i will defend to the death your right to sing it especially in light of this compilation <laughs> yeah this is just uh this is you know this is it's it's music to grin to <laughs> to what to grin to, to grin to yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a full smile you're just like all right yeah all right and same with the video it's just nice it's just a nice video they didn't do much with it yeah it's just people having a good time playing nice enough music <laughs> and you know the one this is one of the few times where i want to hand it to the programmer because there's a bridge between alexis on fire trying to be melodic mm -hmm. and the fratellis Ooh. great shout great shout because it's got just enough like hey we're having a good time to move into the fratellis yeah and just enough low-key stuff to come out of the sort of morose alexis on fire whatever they're going through um and that's it this honestly this this is the second movie in a trilogy it's no one's favorite, but it does a good enough job of getting us to where we need to go. Yeah, which is to uh, Arctic Monkey's Light with the Fratelli's Flathead. Best song on the album. What? Are you insane? Yeah. Oh, my God. Best song on the album. Chris is um, really, I think, gliding over the fact that... Uh, Something. Oh, happened actually, to no. Heinrich, Heinrich Maneuver. Heinrich Maneuver, then Fratelli. Dude, this is the worst earworm I've ever heard in my life. I now Love know it. what song will be playing in my head as I slip into the great unknown. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, my plane's crashing and I'm going down. I'm in hospice for having a terminal cancer and my family is surrounding me. Uh, no, no, this is this is song is you could have put the arctic monkeys here yeah arctic monkeys would have been a better show the arctic monkeys are a better version of this but i love i love the fratellis they're just very fun um very silly uh the i only saw one video what was the second video because the one that i saw was uh their album cover but with real models which i thought was like i didn't watch it because uh i saw it said u.s version so i assume there was a uk version or uh, a Scottish version, if uh, you believe in the Scottish, because Scotland's right to um, move away from the UK. Self-determination. Yeah, self-determination. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't know, and I don't want to know. And uh, this is my, this is the compilation's revenge. Um, this is your revenge on me for getting that fucking Simple Plan song stuck in your head. This is going to be... This is, you know what this is? This is, this is, um, this, this is where the Goo Goo Dolls used to show up, but inverted. <laughs> no, like, no, no. I like this. Um, I think it's very fun, except that you can't, there's nothing to respect about the Fratellis musically. You either like them or you don't. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to say, like, this is, again, it's just fun. I think I might just be, uh, just after being fucking ground down by the last 11 yeah. versions of this, 
just hearing people that are having a good time really lifts my mood. But also, I I did I owned this album. I listened to it a lot. Um, it's fun just like walking home drunk. Uh, if you're not in a Tom Waits mood, you're in a Fratelli's mood. You're dancing down the street. Everything's all right. Yeah. Hers is a tonic and mine is a gin. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I know that it like it struck a chord within me because while I was listening to it, I was having memories from before the album was released. Okay. So I, there's no way I was listening to it because it didn't exist yet, but it just reminded me of a time. So totally didn't know who this band was before. Um, they, yeah, they totally flew under my radar, but I have to admit that my snobbery towards this band really comes down to that. I expect a lot more from Scottish musicians. You got Jesus, Mary chain, you got Cocteau twins. You have so many bands that came from uh, Scotland um, that are great. Sacred pause, sacred pause. Sure. Did you just make that up to see if I actually knew who that was? Cause I totally just agreed to that band existing without knowing who they are. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It's a, it's a real band. It's a, uh, uh, two, uh, uh, two, one Scottish woman, one British woman, but they're technically a Scottish band and they're awesome. Anyways, all the Glaswegian bands, all the, um, bands from Mogwai, Mogwai, Camera Obscura, uh, the Vaselines. So, so many great bands from Scotland. Uh, I would have rather listened to, but anyways, whatever. Um, oh yeah, for sure. This is just a, this is just a fun time Sally of a band. Well, and it makes it's sense putting a... this right after the Bedouin sound clash. So I, I get it. I get it. That, that, that actually, you know what? Everything I said, I'm actually, this is the first time. This is the first time I've ever done this on podcast. I'm reverting my position that I just took. Yes. You know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Me and the Fratellis. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Fratellis, if you were drowning in the ocean, I wouldn't throw you a barbell. I would reluctantly throw you a lifesaver and just hope that you caught it. <laughs> hey, that's a big move. That's a big swing. I'm, uh, All right, I'm, I'm, I can be magnanimous sometimes. Jordan's a fan. If anyone's listening, wants to give him a gift, send him a Fratelli's album to his record store. Very funny thing to do. <laughs> well, whatever. Joke's on you. That's, that that record probably sells for a hundred bucks now, I'm sure. So. <laughs> uh, fair enough. <yeah. laughs> um, next song. We got two songs left. Um, they are bad. Yep. Uh, next song is called Face Down by someone called Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Based on the vibe of the song, they should have just called themselves The White Knights. This this band reminded me of like I, I I pictured myself driving into like a midwestern town in the fifties, mm-hmm. and there's a sign outside that says "Welcome to any band USA." For sure, where our motto is, "Why sound like us when we can sound like everyone else?" This band was from Florida, which is basically um, any nightmare USA. <laughs> um, but famously home of Matchbox Twenty. But like this song is on here as a response by Big Shiny Tunes to that Taking Back Sunday song, I think, right? Like, this is the exact... I did write, like, at least it's anti-abuse. Well, That's yeah. That's a start. Yeah, but yeah. it's it feels like... Um, to me, it feels more calculated, where it's just like they're trying to... It, that's why I called them... Why, why I feel like they should have been called the White Knights. Because I, I don't really buy... Um, I don't really buy that they're perhaps 100% like this. I mean, not, not that all of them uh, beat their girlfriends, but um, the weird thing is that they keep addressing somebody who's their friend in it they're like let me tell your friend you will your lives will come crumbling down it's like wait so it's your friend that's doing this meaning what's well i mean that might just be like the threatening way like hey listen to me friend i'm not your friend pal i'm not your pal guy i'm not your buddy guy (laughs) terrence and philip rest in peace um 
I try. I actually watched uh, a live performance of this song just to see what this band was like live. Mm. Horrendous! They could not really? achieve. Like the singer could not hit the notes. Oof. What? What? Watch! Ooh, watch the band try and play this if if you want to suffer more because it's. I mean, I'm curious now. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's but, very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> and people are loving it. <laughs> so weird this song this song was huge apparently like they they um this song was like number one in australia for uh which probably goes to show something about australians i'm not not australians man i don't get them at all they're a very strange place yeah this is i mean when the screamer came in on this one i actually laughed (laughs) i actually laughed out loud when that came in i was like fuck you that's not (laughs) so guys band meeting uh we have a show next week but they need a name for the poster Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Uh, uh, how about the the black the black parachute? No, it's not quite it. Um, what the fuck does red jumpsuit apparatus mean? What about rip rip cord? Rip cord? <laughs> uh, no, sounds like we're bailing. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. Apparatus? What is the? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it means something, and I hate whatever it means as much as I hate their music. There's something so unceremonious about the way that Big Shiny Tunes is choosing to go down now. Mm. Like it's not even. Well, okay. If we move on to this next song, I at least will give them credit for uh, this next song. If you're ready to move on, the last song here. Yeah, I'm ready. Which yeah, is Corn. Yes, that's right. Corn with a K from the '90s evolution Two in a row yeah yeah uh listen man 90s alternative corn was already ridiculous but 2000s era popcorn is so fucking extra i can barely deal with it so silly i mean i really like because i i think i said last time i really i used to love corn yeah um and uh, uh i don't know if i'm being like i'd love to hear from some like corn fans who found them in this era mm-hmm. and listen to like their old stuff and are like, no, they sucked back then. This is when they were really great. And just hear what they have to say about it. Because like, I don't know if I'm just being like a bad fan. Because <laughs> corn is its own ecosystem. Like I see corn living in a similar space to like ICP. Yeah. Where they just do what they want. And I don't know how to judge it against the rest of the world. But this this is like, at least then they used to sound like them. And this is a weird. This feels like a compromise song for sure. Yeah, yeah. And that bums me. Well, this out. is this is more. I said this at the top of the episode, but this. I feel like I just said three half thoughts. Oh, sorry. Do you want to? Uh... <laughs> no, I don't think I can elaborate. I just think I kept on getting like confused by other things, yeah. and so I never finished a full thought. That's on me. No, There's I think that that's on that's add. on corn actually. Um, yeah, I I, <laughs> I was I was inspired by their song. I, I said this at the top of the episode, but this video also is possible evidence that we're living in a simulation that is running into CPU problems because it's got all these elements of sort of like what corn was about, but. Um, my favorite Jonathan Davis was when Jonathan Davis was serious about selling lines like "rumbadi boo, rum dum didum, rumbadi boo." Yeah. Um, There's no scatting. Where's the well, scatting? Well, and now he's self-serious about trying to really sell a message, and that video's message as well. Which um, I don't know. Part of me feels like this is what happens when um, you are a musician who uh, has like abused drugs a lot and then go clean. Or something, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it's like you haven't had enough downtime to really find yourself, so you're still kind of going back to some things. But now that you're more sober, it's like, well, I gotta, 
like oh yeah like i was so fucked up before and so it's like almost like the inability to have fun even though this song is supposed to be fun like in in a way right like because of uh, the production and how it's more of like pop corn like dance corn or something but um dance corn yeah like i I don't know like the way the way the song's even mixed too it's like they they have the vocals front and center which um would have been great if jonathan had laid some totally ridiculous gibberish scatting over top of us Mm. but yeah i i don't know what uh big shiny tunes is thinking at this point other than just like well we only got two more to get through so uh let's just put corn on there again i don't i don't care it really feels like they've just lost any sense of self-respect. Like it's a really strange, I think we talked about this last time and it's like when you're in the, the death throes of something, when you're the programmer of something that's the death throes of clearly becoming an afterthought of a big company, you have the opportunity to take big, silly swings Mm -hmm. uh, because people aren't really paying attention anymore. This is, they have an opportunity now that you would think hadn't existed since the first one, really. And um, they could have gone back to that. And it might be that, Maybe the programmer wanted to take those swings, and that's why it's starting to move into like more dancey stuff, and and they're uh, adding things. But if, but maybe the person above them was like, no, 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 we need to sell as many of these as we can. So actually, we're gonna start adding pop songs, and we're gonna we're gonna bring. Remember corn, <laughs> guys. We're putting corn. Yeah. On. Um, and uh, uh, it just it feels like it feels like they're acting out of fear instead of possibility which really bums well, me out and and again which going back to the top of the episode finger 11 also felt like they were acting out of fear by writing that song um that great song that great song kind of, paralyzer uh, confounding to me that um some of your tastes in this era uh you and i would have totally jammed together but then mm. this would have made me leave the room if you had put this on like i don't understand what happened i hope you're okay uh, I hope that whatever um, happened to you back in the day that thought that was a good decision to somehow latch onto the idea that this was a good song. Um, it's a great song. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's nothing's more infuriating than trying to convince somebody that something is not great, and and their only defense is it's great. It's great. It's great. It's just great. It's not. It's not about logic. This song's about feeling. I've had the chorus to this. And the do 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 in my head like for years like it's never been far from an earworm for me. So like I'll just be cooking in the kitchen and I won't have heard this. This is the first time I've heard the song in ten years. Like I don't listen to Finger yeah. Eleven, but when like I'll I'll be cooking for my wife and I'll just be like I'm not paralyzed, but I seem to be struck by. I think you. that's a testament and of her love for you that she hasn't left you. Um. <laughs> oh, she's never in the kitchen when I'm cooking. She's always doing something else. Uh, but, um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it'll be. It's just in. It's it's in my brain. It's not even an earworm anymore. It's a part of my cerebral. This cortex. is a fool's errand to try and convince you otherwise. At this point, it's like that Calvin and Hobbes, where uh, you are basically Hobbes right now. Who keeps repeating the word smock. If you remember, <laughs> yeah, smock. It's a fun word. Smock, smock. Why smock, on earth smock, do you smock, keep smock, smock, smock? Why on earth do you keep sticking up for finger eleven? <laughs> Smock, 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 smock. I'm not paralyzed, but I seem to be struck by you. Look me in the eyes, Jordan. I want to make you move because you're standing still. So why don't you slide? (laughs) (laughs) It was either that or simple plan. Strong move. Um, And that was it. That was it. We could all agree. Paralyzer, Finger 11, fantastic song. 
So folks, it's not getting any better. I'm going to set up a number that you can actually, if you prefer to pay by phone, we will also set you up with a toll-free number for Chris's um, brain condition. Follow boy. Not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. I've tried to meditate four times an hour, and I think it's helped process some of the uh, horrific sights I've seen. Chris, unfortunately, wasn't so lucky, but um, the good news is we're almost done listening to this entire fucked up series. <laughs> Two more. Two more, baby. I mean, we could plug the Twitter, but what's the point? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to plug is my ears. Oh, baby. Um, yeah, we, we only got two more. We're going to be back next week with Big Shiny Tunes 13. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. It still helps. Do you think this could be one of those underdog stories where Big Shiny Tunes turns it around on the last two? Do you think we could uh, maybe... Oh, let me, let me, take, a, let me, let me Yo, take a quick we... look at the, at the song. Huh. No, no, no. Definitely not. Terrible, terrible hmm. music all the way down. We, fucking, we got Linkin Park, Uncle Buck Cherry... God damn it. Winter sleep could be okay, I think. I don't know. I don't know anymore. This is, I actually, I don't even know half these bands. The Saving Able? The Mission Dude, District? Ubiquitous Synergy Seeker. Oh, that's just red jumpsuit apparatus in disguise, isn't it? I, ooh, I hate that band name. Not looking forward to that. No, but, anyways, <laughs> come, come, come on by. Enjoy it. I mean, Weezer's on it. We love some Weezer. Queens of the Stone Age is on it. They, you know. They can sometimes do it. Jordan's going to be very mad at me uh, yeah. about my my views on Panic at the Disco. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not paralyzed by it, but I seem to be struck by your awful taste sometimes, Chris. <laughs> the raconteurs are on it. Love me some raconteurs. Uh, so there's some ups and downs, but yeah, come back next week for Big Shiny Tunes 13. Uh, feel free, if you if this is your first time listening, why why how did you come in at 12? Who's who's such a big fan of Big Shiny Tunes 12 that they found a podcast at this point? But if you did. We go all the way back to Big Shiny Tunes 1. We got an interview with Jeremy Taggart that we did, if you haven't listened to, that's great. Mark Taylor wrote a book about Big Shiny Tunes, so make sure to check out the back catalog. If you're in the East Coast of Canada, uh, slash Montreal specifically, make sure to buy your records at Phenopolis, which is a Jordan's store, and they are open four days a week. Yeah, four days, four days until we can get to five. I'm trying to bring in every single artist that appeared on this compilation and filling <laughs> the bins with it, so um, please help me get out of debt because uh, it's a lot of money records these days yeah yeah get your get your records on go get it don't act like you didn't save a bunch of money this year by not going out and doing doing foam orgies like you always do in montreal people huh how much money alone have you saved on your foam orgies jesus how many times have you been at a foam orgy strapped into your red jumpsuit apparatus and thought oh god for the money that i've spent on this i could happily buy some records from phenopolis too many to count too many yeah. Well, thanks for listening, folks. I'm going to leave you uh, with one thought, which is that sometimes friends need help and they're too proud to ask. Chris, I, I love you, man, and I hope you get better. I'm doing fine. Finger 11 for life. See you next week. We love you. You probably move right through me on my way to you. You probably move right through me on my way to you.